Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. reaching a little bit back in the past here tonight, but uh, this is the only thing that fell upon my heart this afternoon, so I'm reaching back in the past. Amen. I want to start with verse number 24. The Bible states these words. It says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. God will surely, everybody say surely, surely visit you, bring you out of this land. To the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So again, it's important to note that Joseph's saying, you're going to surely, you're going to surely go to the land that God had sworn to your father, grandfather, Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. But notice that Joseph does not include himself that he had been swore to himself concerning this matter. The Bible says in verse 25, and Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying God will surely visit you and ye shall carry up my bones from hence so you should carry up my bones from hence Joseph saying I'm, I'm going to die here I'm not going to die in that land that God's promised I'm going to die here but I want you to take my bones over to that land I might not be able to choose where I'm going to die but I can choose where I'm going to be buried he says in verse 26, So Joseph died being a hundred and ten years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. I'm reaching backward tonight. This is really something from a long time ago, but I'm revisiting it this evening. Amen. Hopefully for somebody in this place. I want to preach to us tonight. I'm not changing nothing. I'm just going to preach to us the surety of a promise. The surety of a promise of a promise join your voice with mine right now if we can ask God to touch us anew Father I'm praying God for fresh power, fresh anointing God upon our minds and hearts God with the people Lord that are sitting here under the sound of my voice God with their varying Lord Jesus God's circumstances and things God that they may have Lord limped into here with I pray, oh Lord, tonight, God, that you're able to speak, Lord Jesus, through your word. It's a forever settled, Lord, word. I pray, God, so let it be this evening, God, in this place. And will not fail, Lord, to give you the praise and the glory for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. amen. God bless you tonight in Jesus' name. The surety of a promise. There are not one but two occasions in the scripture setting where Joseph said very clearly to those that are gathered around his deathbed that God would surely, everybody say surely, would surely visit you. Joseph, these being the dying hours of his life, I guarantee you are not wasting his breath on something that is of no value. 
He's not wasting the last breaths in his body on something that is of no great importance. And so it's with great sincerity and great certainty that he is using these final hours of his life, telling those gathered round about his bed that God would surely visit them. He's not wasting his last energy on something insignificant here. He's not speaking useless words into their ears, but he has the utmost confidence in what he is saying, the utmost confidence in what he is speaking to them that are about him. And with the same breath that Joseph told his brethren that he died, he also reassured them of a visitation, a visitation from God. He says, I might be departing from this land, but the God of heaven has reassured me that he's going to take you from this place to the place that he has promised. And you're going to receive a visitation of God. And though I might not be here to witness it, I want you to understand that it is with surety going to happen. The Bible says that he did not only assure his brethren, he not only spoke these words of truth to his family, but he also comforted the whole house of Israel with these words, his friends, about what God was going to do and God was going to establish even after his body was cold in the ground. The words that he spoke were more, though, than just even words of comfort that he was trying to use to pacify his family and his friends. He wasn't just pacifying them, but he was speaking what he knew to be true. He knew this just as plain as the nose on his face, that God was going to come through and do what God said he was going to do. But the question that we contend with here tonight is this. What was it that gave this man Joseph such a surety, such a certainty that God was going to keep his promise and bring them to the land that he had promised unto them. What is it, Joseph, that, that makes you so confident about this visitation from the Lord? Perhaps tonight we're talking about somebody departing here, somebody leaving life. We might even expect some departing words like that of Abraham or that of Isaac or that of Jacob. We might expect these type of words from one of those individuals, how God would surely visit the nation of Israel and the children of Israel. That, that, that wouldn't be out of order if Abraham had said that because God had promised that directly to Abraham. Not been out of order if, if Isaac or Jacob had spoken those words because God looked at them and he spoke to them that he was going to do exactly that. The Lord had sworn all these things to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that he would indeed bring them out of Egypt into the land of promise. But what we don't see in the word of God, we never see recorded in the scriptures where the Lord had personally sworn this to Joseph. So where Abraham might have it to lean on and Isaac and Jacob might have it to lean on, there was never that verbal, that verbal uh, saying unto Joseph in his life. It was never sworn unto him. Those promises were never spoken to him by God. Yet this man that had not that sworn to him is so confident in his dying age that it is, in fact, going to take place and going to happen. The closest that Joseph ever had this happening in his life is whenever his father Jacob had promised him some similar things such as 
that God would be his aid and God would be his guide and that God would someday return their people back to the land of their fathers. But see, that's coming from the voice of his father Jacob. That's not coming from God. In our society today, that, that second string information, so to speak, that's not something that came from the source itself. It's just second string information. But the Bible tells us very clearly this in New Testament Scripture, that there are two immutable things concerning God. The Bible says, number one, it's impossible for God to lie. And, and whenever we understand that, we look at mankind and we see mankind every day, sometimes every hour, failing in that particular respect. But God, one immutable thing, cannot change with God. He will not lie. And he's good, very good, has a high success rate about keeping his promises. Amen. But here's Joseph. Joseph says, my dad told me this, but man's subject to, he's subject to flaw. He, he's subject to not keeping what he said. But God had spoken this to those fathers. And so Joseph was so sure of God's promises that he commanded even the children of Israel. Here's how confident he was of it. He says, boys, gather around. He says, I'm going to die here in Egypt. But when? Everybody say when. But when you get to the land that God has promised us, you bury my body in that land. You carry the bones from Egypt over to the land of promise when the opportunity presents itself because it's going to. He says, you bury me in the land of promise. He was so sure. He said, I might die here, but I know someday you're going to be over yonder. Someone say amen. And so Joseph, here he is, he, he can't choose where he's going to die, but he's going to choose where he's going to be buried. Amen. But even that choice seems to be contingent upon the surety of God's promise. The surety of what God has spoke. And we all know this tonight, folks, that death is very uncertain. You never know when it will happen. We, we think that we have a lot of life left in our years, yet we see people dying at young ages and uh, unforeseen things taking over them and accidents and things of all kinds, planes and cars and boats in bed or while eating, it doesn't matter. Death will just rear its ugly head as it would seem at any time. And so the fact of the matter is this, we cannot choose when we will die. That choice is left, amen, in the hands of a sovereign God. But we can choose where we're going to be buried. And Joseph said, I'm going to be buried over yonder. I'm going to make my monument in the land of promise. My memorial, where you'll remember me, will be in the land of promise. I might die here. I might die in this place of bondage. But I am going to be remembered in the land of the free. I'm going to be remembered in the place of my promise. I might even die in my trial. I might even die in the trouble that we've been in around here in Egypt. But that's not going to be the place where you'll remember me. You're going to remember me where God has promised for us. Someone say amen. And so God has been very intimate throughout the history of the nation of Israel. Speaking to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. God shared his promises with Abraham. Amen. But Abraham's only possession of the land of promise was a burial ground for his wife. Could you imagine? 
God said this land is going to be yours and your descendants, Abraham. But the only thing that he had, part and parcel of it, while he was still yet living, was a burial ground of Machpelah that he had bought for his wife Sarah and his family. And he secured that little parcel of ground there in Hebron in the land of promise, basically planning ahead and purchasing it as a burial lot. The Bible tells us that Abraham would then die when he was 175 years old. Amen. And was buried by Isaac and Ishmael, his two sons, in the cave of Machpelah in the land of promise. That little ground is all that he had concerning the land of promise. The Bible states concerning Isaac, his son, that Isaac would die while he was still yet a a nomad, wandering here and wandering there. Amen. Yet whenever he died, he was buried, the Bible says, in the land of promise that God said would be theirs and it could be theirs. Jacob, the Bible, we already understand died while he was still an exile in the land of Egypt. Amen. Though determined not to be buried there, he says, take my bones over yonder and bury me in Canaan, the land of promise. Not the land, if you will, of my nativity, but the land of my promise. I don't want to be buried where I was born. I want to be buried where I was destined to be. And we know that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, none of them died in vain. They died not in despair. They died not hopeless. They died not with defeat of faith, but they died with honor. And though they died, they never abandoned the idea of the promise that was to continue even after they were cold in the ground because they felt like during their lifetime they were just a link and had some involvement in the perpetuating, if you will, of the promise. Someone say amen. Everybody doing all right? And so unlike Abraham, though, and unlike Isaac and Jacob, Joseph never had a covenant made with him by God personally. The Lord never swore to him anything directly concerning the promise. From my understanding, every covenant in Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, every covenant in Scripture involves a penalty or a sanction. It is a sealed commitment to maintain a particular relationship or to follow a stipulated course of action. In other words, when a covenant was made between two people, it's like if we keep this, there's going to be blessing upon your and I life. But if we're going to uh, abandon this, then there's going to be some type of penalty that comes upon us because we have breached the covenant. And so a covenant may be defined as a relationship that is underneath penalties. Amen. The covenant commitment many times was characterized by an oath, meaning the people that entered the covenant, they would swear so forth and so forth. It's a sworn covenant. And they say that the people that swear that I'm going to keep my part of the deal or my part of the covenant, it is the swearing of that commitment that makes those transactions covenants. And so the swearing of the oath distinguishes, amen, the swearing of an oath distinguishes divine covenants of Scripture, amen, from ones of promise. Because when one of Scripture would just be a man with a man, a normal covenant on the earth would be a man with another individual. But the divine covenants where one of them was a man and the other party was God himself. That God would swear, I'm going to keep my promise. 
That was one, a covenant, a commitment, a promise whenever God is involved. Someone say amen. If the man was the one to swear by an oath, it would be a covenant of man. It would be a covenant of humanity. But whenever God was the one swearing the oath, it was a covenant of promise. And so what Joseph is dealing here with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob with their relationship with God and what God spoke to them, God said, I swear to you that someday Canaan is going to be your land. That wasn't just a covenant of man or of individuals. That was a covenant of divine promise that come from the throne of God. Someone say amen. amen. Hallelujah. But there's something that takes place. You, you, listen, the punchline is at the end, okay. During the time of the patriarchs, it was a custom that when one made an oath, he was to put his hand under the thigh of the one who required him to swear by his word. And there was a covenant between two people. The one that was swearing put his hand under the thigh of the one that he was swearing the covenant to. An example would be Sister Craig Abraham. Abraham had his eldest servant come to him. And he said, swear unto me by and by that you are going to go out and you're going to find a wife for my son Isaac, all right, from my kindred, from my people, not of the Canaanites, but so that I know you promised this and that we got this understanding and oath. You are promising me. So you place your hand, elder servant, under Abraham's thigh and swear, I'm going to find a wife for your son. Among your, among your kindred and among your folk. And I'll know that the promise and the covenant that you just made is true. All right. just, just walk with me here. Amen. Jacob even had Joseph to put his hand under his thigh and swear to him. I want you to swear unto me, Joseph, that you will not bury me. In Egypt, the Bible says in Genesis 47. But rather that you'll take me and put me in the land of Canaan where my fathers are buried. So you understand the dynamic. This is Jacob, Joseph's father. And he's saying that we're, we, we've already read in our scripture setting. Here he is about ready to die. He's already had this process with Joseph and that Joseph promised to him. You, you, Joseph, are not going to bury me in Egypt. You're going to bury me in Canaan. But so that I know that's true, that that's sure, he says, you place your hand under the hand of my thigh and you tell me, I promise, Dad, that whenever you're pushing up tulips, that I'm going to take your bones when we get to over to the promised land and I'm going to bury you over in the land of promise. And I know he'll be sure because you'll put your hand underneath my thigh and swear it. Someone say amen. amen. So in reality, the end of this swearing of the oath was nothing more but to make the promise that they spoke sure. To make the promise that they spoke true. Can someone say amen? Mm, someone say glory. So there's something though that happens here that we need to understand between Joseph and Jacob to understand the reality of how 
the promise of God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob could even be a promise true for Joseph, though Joseph never heard from God personally. And in order to understand this, we must go to Genesis 32. And the story of Genesis 32 is that Jacob is on his way back home. He's on his way back to the land that he had departed from years ago. Now he left with a staff in his hand, but now he has a couple of wives. He has children. He has men servants and maid servants. He has bands of flocks here and there, and he's returning back home. He's a little apprehensive about going back home because whenever he left home, his brother put out a death threat upon his life. And so he's a, little, he's a little afraid that when he returns back home, he's going to meet his brother Esau and he's still going to be angry and mad with him and he's going to lose his life over all this. And so what he does as he's getting closer to home, he sends, he sends his family across, the Bible says, the brook Jabbok. He sends he seemingly everything he has over the brook Jabbok. And the Bible says that Jacob was alone. He stayed on the opposite side of the river Jabbok. He was alone by himself that night. However, an angel of the Lord came down and entered into a wrestling match. You ready to wrestle? Entered a wrestling match. Come on now. You come walking over, you're limping back. Come on. Entered a wrestling match with the angel of the Lord. Now it's evident I'm the angel. Entered a wrestling match with the angel of the Lord. And they're wrestling. This is, who is this right here? This is Jacob. They're wrestling. Hey man, I got a good hold on him. And Jacob's saying, hey, why, why don't you let me go? Hey man, or the angel saying, why don't you let me go? Jacob's saying, no, I'm not going to let you go. And he's got a hold on him. He's got a strong hold on him. And all this is going forth. And he's even asking him, come on, let me go. The, the, the morning's about ready to come. The angel's saying, no, no, I'm not, I'm not letting you go until you bless me, the Bible says. And the Bible says in the process of this wrestling match that the angel of the Lord touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh. That word hollow indicates, you look it up, is the exact same place where a man would place his hand if he was swearing an oath unto him. You're saying, bless me. That angel touches the hollow of his thigh. That's the same place where the oldest servant touched Abraham. That's the same place, hear me now, where Joseph touches Jacob later. But that angel touched the hollow of his thigh. The Bible says the sinew on that thigh shrunk up. And he limped the rest of his days because the hand of the Lord had touched the hollow of his thigh. But if I can say it like this, Jacob's saying, if you're going to touch the place where a man would swear an oath, then you promise some blessings. You promise some promises to me if you're going to put your hand. If you're, if you're going to put your hand where a promise is to be made, then I need a promise. He said, your name is no longer Jacob, but it's Israel because you've had power of God and with man and you shall prevail. You're going to be a part of many nations. Sit down. So it's amen. 
You got to understand why Jacob is saying this because he had already remembered in his journey to the river Jabal, he was already rehearsing how the Lord had said to him, hey, I will surely do good to you. I will make your, your seed as the sand of the sea that cannot be numbered for multitude. I've made all these promises to you. And so Jacob has that fresh on his mind while the angel of the Lord is doing all this. And he says, if you're promising it, then you swear by it. You have your hand there, you swear by it. Make the promise sure. And so an angel of the Lord came down The angel of the Lord That's a common again We looked at this just a few weeks ago A common terminology for God himself Manifesting himself In some way So not just an angel of the Lord But this was God Some manifestation of God That was touching the hollow of Jacob's thigh The very place that an individual would touch If they were going to make an oath And so Jacob holds on until he's blessed. He holds on with that angel or that manifestation of God touching the hollow of his thigh. I want you to swear to me by an oath. Your name's not Jacob. It's going to be Israel. Prince, you have power with God and with men. Thou hast prevailed. In other words, Jacob, I swear to you by an oath. That the words I've spoken before time are sure they're yea and amen unto you. The Bible says from that day forward, Jacob walked with a limp. From that day forward, because God had sworn some things to him. So Abraham had it spoken to him. Isaac had it spoken to him. Jacob had it spoken to him, but even sworn with a hand, so to speak, being under his thigh. But the question that we're pondering tonight is this. That's great for Abraham. That's great for Isaac. And that's great for Jacob. But how in the world is it sure for Joseph? They've all heard from God plainly. Jacob's even had the hand of God, so to speak, under his thigh plainly. But what about Joseph? Joseph's nine death, remember. Jacob brother's nine death, remember. And he has Joseph. We have already looked at this. He says, you swear to me. Right? Because you were Jacob. He says, you swear to me, Joseph, that you're not going to bury me in Egypt. He said, but you're going to bury me in the land of promise. And in order for that to happen, Joseph had to put his hand under the thigh of Jacob. Under the thigh that the sinew had shrunk up on. Under the thigh that he limped on. He had to put his hand where the hand of God had been. And though Joseph never heard a verbal word from God concerning the promise, and though Joseph never had an angel touching him, whenever Joseph put his hand and felt where the hand of God had been, he knew with a surety the promise for my daddy is the same promise for me. How do you know that, Joseph? Because I put my hand where the hand of God has been.
Because there's people, listen to me, there's people that get frustrated in the church. And sometimes it seems like everything that happens to everybody else is like the third heaven, you know. Well, God spoke to them. God came through. I was in prayer and God laid it on my heart. I was reading the word and I opened up. There it was, my answer. And we hear all those things and we're like, God didn't say anything to me. God didn't give me a word through the scripture. He didn't do that for me. He did it for them, but he didn't do that for me. Let me tell you, the promise is just as sure to you as it is to anybody else. But sometimes what you need to do, if you got heart problems, you need to find somebody that God's brought through heart problems and put your hand where the hand of God has been. If you're walking through depression, amen, you need to find yourself somebody that's come through depression and put your hand where the hand of God is open. If you've been out of employment, you need to find a brother Mason that went through that two times and put your hand where the hand of God has already been. God makes good on his promises. Yeah. Someone say glory. Joseph said, I don't need to hear a voice. I don't need a visitation. All I need to do is witness where God's already been. Witness where God already worked. Witness where God has already said it. I just need to put my hand where his hand's at. And I know it's good for me. Because he's no respecter of persons. He doesn't elevate one over another. What he did for one, he'll do for the other. But sometimes you just got to witness where his trail has already went. Say glory. Woo. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I get no word, brother. That's all right. Haven't heard no, haven't had no visitation in my house. That's all right. Just place your hand where God's already worked it out in somebody else's life. Because where God's hand had already been in Jacob, Joseph distinguished. That sinew was shrunk. It wasn't as it once was because it had been totally altered by the hand of God. Yes, 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 yes. The Bible says in Acts 13, I ain't going to hold you much longer. The Bible says in Acts 13 and verse 32, these words, Acts 13, verse 32. And we declare unto you glad tidings how that the promise which was made unto the fathers. Verse 33. God hath fulfilled the same. Everybody say the same. The same unto us, their children. He said God's made promise to the fathers. But the same promise of the fathers is also unto their children. Because a hand has went where the hand of God has already been. I'm confident that with his stripes we were and we are healed. Confident. I'm confident. I'm confident concerning that. I'm confident 
that the blood and the water that ran from the side was living water. It was a purchase price, if you will, of the church. I'm confident of that. The reason why I'm confident of these things is that you could take an old boy, even a Thomas that is a little doubtful of doubtful disputation, so to speak, concerning the Lord's Christ. Wasn't around when Christ first showed up post-resurrection. But whenever he's finally in the room and Christ is there, you know what Christ told to old Thomas? He said, handle me. Where are these nail prints? We see that maybe Romans put them there. Others will say, well, the Jews is the one that did it. Hear me right now. But all the agony, all the suffering, all the pain, the tool may have been Jews and Gentiles and humanity, but the source was God. And so when he placed his hands in those, in those wounds in the hands and in the feet and the side, Thomas was putting his hand with the hand of God. When he ran his fingers down that tattered back, he was really putting his hands where the hands of God. And so he knew whether the scripture said by his stripes I am healed without a shadow of a doubt. He didn't have to tell me but my hands have been where the hand. Someone say amen. Stand with me. I'm closing. Really, hang. I'll be still. This is just the way it is. Years ago, this is the way it operated. We'll do the same. If you are contending with something in your present life right now, whether it be physical, spiritual, emotional, you might know somebody that's already traversed that road before you've got it. And as we close this service tonight, if it's physical ailment, whatever it may be, if you know of such a person, I'm asking you to yoke up with whoever that may be. In other words, if, I, if I've overcome depression, you got depression, we need to yoke up. Because in doing so, you're going to put your hand, not literally, but in a spiritual sense, you're going to place your hand where God's hand has already worked that out in my life. And when you don't have a word and you don't have a visitation and there's no light shining in your closet beckoning you to tell you anything, there could be somebody sitting right among here that's already had that worked out, worked through. Conquered, delivered, overcome. And you just need a testament of what God has the power and the ability. Thank you, Jesus. We've already even... even uh, even to the mode of salvation. If you've not yet received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But that's something you desire. We have promises. But maybe you just need to yoke yourself up with somebody that's got it. Yeah. And put your hand where the hand of God. Yes, Jesus. Now in order for this to work. That I feel like the spirit wants to work. It, it relies upon participation. Yes. And so for some of us. That's going to mean making ourselves vulnerable. You're going to be out. If you know somebody that's going through something. That you have already went through. 
you, 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 it might work like that too. You might know somebody's going through something that you've been through before. You need to find them and say, listen here, sir, or listen here, ma'am. I've been where you're at, but I'm on the back side of that. And just as God brought me on the back side of that, God can bring you on the back side of yours. Put your hand. Let's raise our hands all across this place. We're going to be able to sing and play. But I want you, if you can, if you're willing to seek somebody out. Because somebody just needs to know that they're not walking through something alone. That they're not in something that somebody else hasn't been through that God's already brought them through. Somebody needs to be encouraged in the spirit tonight. That God did it before and God can do it again. His promises are sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you want to go and start to find that person, that's fine tonight. Some of you that are more extroverts might have to go find the introverts in order for this to work here this evening. But you need to find somebody. Amen. You If you say, well, I'm not going through anything. No, but maybe you've been through some junk. Maybe you've overcame and been through cancer. Maybe some of you have had lung disease. Or others just had this or that. Maybe some of you are being combated in your mind by the devil. And he's not giving you one day of rest. You need to yoke up with somebody that's been a victor in that. And put your hand where the hand of God has brought deliverance tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.